What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online. Online. With Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM. McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington, Huntington, PA. Mixtape Radio International, mtri.co.uk. Steel FM at steelfm.org. WWSX, Radio 99.1 FM, Radio Rehoboth, Rehoboth, Delaware. Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA. And at Pittsburgh Talk Radio, that's PGH, PGH Talk Radio in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, streaming online at pghtalkradio.com. Hi, everybody. Hope everything's going fine for you on this uh, Monday night as we record live on the Eastern Time Zone at 10 p.m. So those of you who would like to listen to us um, live when we record and when we broadcast on WMCK, you can uh, be able to do that or just go to the website pghtalkradio.com and you'll be able to... uh, Listen to the program as we do it live. On the program this evening, we have a young lady on the program this evening. And as I said to her before we got on the phone this evening, I said, uh, honestly, I feel like I'm an underachiever because she has done so much in her life. And I'm just a talk show host. But anyhow... (laughs) Raquel Beldemar is on the program tonight. She is the founder and president of Quintis, journalist, author, and social media influencer. Raquel, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Bill. How are you doing? Doing real good. So did I say the last name right or was I close? You're very close. Okay. Yes, it's Bardell Bar- Oh, Dell. Okay, I should have seen that in there. But anyhow, give my audience a little background about who you are. Well, um, I founded um, a company 16 years ago, a health and wellness marketing agency. We work with healthcare companies that are focused on prevention uh, and on just true health prevention. That's what my mission was 16 years ago when I founded this agency. And um, and over the years, I uh, I became uh, I wrote a book uh, called Sugar Crush with a co-author. On what sugar, on how sugar impacts the body, how it creates inflammation, and part of the reason I got involved with that is that I saw that the healthcare system was so much focused on sick care management mm-hmm. rather than true healthcare and true prevention that I really wanted to try to uh, help people try to just take, uh, you know, rather than just taking pills and trying to, uh, you know, get sick and then just try to chase diseases with with medicine, I wanted to focus um, on companies and practices to actually help people stay healthy through prevention. So kind of my whole mission, I would say, uh, for just, you know, my life has been to focus on wellness and true health, starting with prevention, not sick care management. And uh, uh, so with that, I have kind of been involved in uh, a lot of social media, just initiatives for that effect. And uh it's been a really exciting journey. I'm based in Los Angeles, so I think it's kind of the mecca of, uh, in many ways, wellness. Uh, so I'm really excited to be on your program, Bill, and share just some of the things I've learned in my in my uh, 20 years of uh, just <laughs> now wellness. I, now I feel old. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when you talk about um, the healthcare, how did that get you from? doing uh, wellness into the whole idea of being a journalist and a social influencer? Well, I always, you know, truly believe that how well you turn off is directly related to how intensely you turn on. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, 
I see a lot of successful people, successful CEOs, and they just, they get really burned out. They, they, you know, at 40, I mean, I see people, I mean, I'm 41 years old and I, and I see people my age who have all sorts of just physical ailments uh, because they're just focused on go, go, go and, and, and success and achievements. And one of the things I realized in my life is that it's also just, I think it's really important to know how to turn off and, um, and really recharge. So what, what I, when I look at what you wrote, I'm, I'm looking at the sugar crush right now, and I've talked to people in the past that have, that have a medical background and who have written books, and they've said the same thing you have, that our, our health care system is working at dealing with care after the illness has been diagnosed. We're not doing preventative care. We're not trying to make the person the best they possibly can be beforehand, but instead we just give them a pill to help them get over that or just sustain their life the way it is and not trying to make them better. And that's one of the things that frustrates me because, again, the age that I'm at, um, I have reached a point where I have arthritis in my left knee that, depending on the day of the week, it hurts to walk. Um I have an issue with weight. I have issue with high blood pressure. I have an issue. I have everything the average middle-aged man has in the United States, which is not good. But the thing is, how do you prevent that? Or how do you turn back the clock to go back to where I was 20 or 30 years ago when I was actually in decent health because one thing I did notice, and this is going to sound like a cop out, I know that, is that when my wife and I had our three kids, I literally started gaining weight with my first child, and then with my second child, and then with my third child, and with stress eating, and with dealing with a pandemic right now that we're in that we can't go anywhere and really couldn't do anything for a long period of time. And now I'm getting worried that we're going back into that that, that quarantine period that they're going to be talking about, the stay at home. How do you change the mindset of someone to try to want to be healthier? I think it all starts with doing small little things every single day. I mean, I think that it's we live in a very hard world where we have so many demands. I think with COVID especially, the demands have increased. Uh, with I see young families trying to take care, you know, teach children uh, homeschooling or on virtual learning. I see just the stresses of having to now work from home. And, and it's, it's, so I think we have to remember to just be kind to ourselves okay. and and take that time to turn off and and do little things to try to get to your point of what that means to be healthy for you. Because I, I see that and you start hearing these certain things, not only with physical health, but also with mental health and trying to get right. people back on that on that even keel again. And that can be difficult. And especially with, with, with sugars and carbs that the brain actually changes when people eat these substances on a daily basis, correct? It totally does. And I think for me, what is always and what we talk about in the book is that is to know where your sugar intake is coming from. A lot of people will think that they're having um, just granola and they think that granola is super healthy and it's it can be healthy, but it has high amounts of sugar or pasta or rice. All of that converts into sugar. So what I we don't espouse you to point to take away sugar completely from your diet, but just know where it's coming from and just recognize that if you're gonna have that big bowl of pasta, you maybe you wanna pass on the dessert. Or if you wanna have dessert one evening or a glass of wine, maybe you uh, have fish and vegetables. So I think that just recognizing that you can allow yourself to have sugar, but recognizing it's going to create inflammation. And that inflammation, whatever end organ that is attached to in your body that might be vulnerable to disease, or um, you might have some sort of pre-existing condition that uh, makes it worse, that's when it's going to flare up. So I think it's just really important to recognize your own body uh, to to see what you can do to create health for yourself. So when you talk about health and wellness and being a journalist, what does that mean? 
For me, it means how to be a entrepreneur that has to deal with a lot of, I own two businesses, I have um, just personal responsibilities as a, a daughter, as a, as a friend. I have to, I have a very busy life with, uh, between running my businesses, but I, at the same time, I have a, um, how do I maintain my health as as, as a woman that lives in a very fast-paced world, especially with COVID right now, we, where we have all these external pressures to us, how do we maintain our own mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, our physical health? And I think for me as a journalist, it means trying to achieve that balance when there is imbalance uh, in our lives and then documenting that. So that's as a, as a uh, on my social media account on Instagram, I document that. I, ta- I talk about just how to, you know, how many people who are also uh, professionals, business, you know, business people, how do they balance all of that? I mean, because it's definitely not easy. So I think that is what I, I care about. I care about helping people also achieve that balance. It's very, very hard, especially when you have families. So I think that's something that uh, more and more people should do. I don't know if I have the best examples of it, but I do take very, uh, I I meditate every single morning. It's a practice that I've always, that I, that I really have helped me just achieve um, a sense of equanimity uh, and addressing those challenges in a, in just a more graceful way. And um, I think that especially now in, in the times we're living now, especially knowing that there might be another quarantine you know, having that, having a state of equanimity is is massively important. Because I find that interesting because, as I said before, I've talked to other people similar to you, but you seem to have more of an understanding because you have your own businesses. You're, you're working with other professionals trying to put, help them um, get their lives back on track again. But the one thing that people like me want to know is there an easy answer to be able to do that or is it more complicated and we have to go through certain steps to get to that point i think we have to always remember that we we can't go back to something that we never were okay you know you can't go so so i think if you try to take steps to try to um little steps every single day and develop habits whether it's uh, exercising more, whether it's eating a little better, whether it's maybe not drinking so much wine or eating uh, less ice cream, whatever that, whatever your vice may be, is to take little steps every single day and recognize. Uh, I always I have a saying that uh, you, today is the oldest you'll ever be and the youngest you've ever been. So when you think about it that way, today at this very moment, today is the oldest that you will ever be, but it's also the youngest you've ever been and and recognize that if you can do that if you can get to a point where uh, you're a little bit healthier than yesterday when you maybe that is that that's that's the baseline so try to find out what is your baseline so you can get back to that healthy self so with with the company uh, is it uh, quantis or quantities correct quantities quantities what is what is quantities Quantis is a healthcare um, marketing and branding agency. We work with healthcare companies that um, are focused on prevention and wellness. Uh, we don't work with as many pharmacies. Healthcare and wellness is a very big industry, right. and it's been and the companies that we primarily work with are not necessarily the pharmaceutical companies that are focused on. Uh, drug marketing. We, we, that the com- uh, you know when I founded this company 16 years ago, I wanted to just uh, focus on companies that really were really helping people achieve health from uh, from a baseline of, of true health, from where they were healthy, rather than sick, sick rather than disease and sickness right. as that baseline. So um, I made a decision to just work with companies who really were focused on healthcare, and it's been wonderful seeing that uh, many companies that are not were not necessarily in the healthcare field are now focused on trying to adopt, uh, you know, businesses and bu- a business model that actually uh, helps consumers stay healthy 
so those are the companies that we work with. We work uh, uh, with uh, health systems, digital okay. health companies, um, supplement companies, all of those. Because that's what I was going to ask you. Are you working with people that are, are, are showing what a positive and healthy lifestyle is? Or are you working exactly. with ones that are actually selling a product or however that may work, like homeopathic medicine or stuff like that? Exactly, both. Okay. We work with, I mean, a lot of those different types of companies. So those are the companies that we like to work with is uh, uh, companies that, you know, we, we just did a project with UCLA Health that was focused on genomic medicine uh, and genetics. And so that's, that's a whole new, incredible, really very interesting frontier uh, of just health. It's personalized medicine. And then we work with uh, other companies, um, uh, you know, leading leading vitamin and supplement companies so that's been really exciting as well and then um i also a couple of years ago i founded um uh, a vitamin and supplement company okay uh so that's been exciting to you know branch into that world of just uh selling products as well uh on amazon and uh and other e-commerce systems so when you started this company 16 years ago did you think that there was going to be, because I know there has been such a change when we look at health and wellness compared it was 20 years ago. And did you think that you would be able to sustain this? Did you think the business model was going to change? Or are you sticking with what you originally started out with? I thought that there was such a fragment in healthcare communication and branding um, it really, there was actually very little marketing in healthcare. I mean, it was very, in a way, uh, pedestrian in how healthcare brands communicated to consumers because in many ways they didn't have to. It was all, you know, normally done through through uh, a insurance company. Okay. Communication to consumers was not very common. So uh, because of that, there was really very little need for healthcare organizations to communicate what they did and their value to the consumer. Do you see now in 2020 the consumer taking more responsibility for their own health? Oh, absolutely. And I think what what the pandemic has done is actually made people uh, in a way much more uh, much more aware of how their own personal choices and what they do uh, can help them. I mean, many, many people um, are have taken extreme measures to to you know, not get COVID, but also the benefit has also been is that people are not getting the common cold exactly. as, as much anymore exactly. because, because people are just washing hands. Yeah. Just this very simple act of washing hands is uh, pe- keeping people from getting a cold. So I think this is a, when the pandemic is over, uh, hope, you know, it, it will hopefully have instilled best practices among consumers to just make, continue to take charge of their own health and continue to do basic things like washing hands regularly. What, what I think is interesting about that is that's a skill that we learned in kindergarten that to, to wash our hands um, whenever we had the opportunity. And for some reason, the older we get, the more it goes by the wayside. And then all of a sudden, this past year, they said, start washing your hands more. And everybody looked at him and said, what's that going to do? But we carry so many germs. And little did I know, in March, March 13th is when we went into uh, quarantine here in the state of Pennsylvania, is that we were going to create a fashion statement when it came to masks. The masks that I've seen, I think, have created their own career for a lot of people because of the expression that people are doing it. Now I'm seeing people having to match their outfits, which I think is is uh, interesting in and of itself. Right. But no, it has been, and it's absolutely. I mean, it's and it's people are changing their behaviors and in big ways, and we and and I hope that after the pandemic is is you know after the vaccine comes out, people will continue to do things to uh, focus on their health. I, I, I am seeing that people are getting a lot more uh, gym equipment at home because gyms are closed. Yes, yeah. So um, I think that's all very good and to, to, to remind people that they need to take charge of their own health. And, and if you actually exercise regularly, I mean, you, you're boosting your immune system so that if you do get COVID, you your body will have a higher chance of attacking it. I mean, the studies do show that the people who really 
are uh, who do die from it are tend to be um, the overweight. They mm-hmm. have uh, you know they have pre-existing conditions. So it's now more important than ever to just really say, okay, what can I do to just prevent disease, this 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 terrible disease? In addition to you know wearing masks, hand washing, social distancing is boosting your your natural immune system response. And uh, I, I think more and more people are care, care much about that. And I know the other thing they talked about, too, is they were worried about the flu season um, coinciding with what we're dealing with COVID. And what I think is interesting is just with the using and wearing of a mask that you're starting to notice, like you said, with the common cold, that cases are starting to drop. But what's interesting about that, people in Japan and China and those Asian countries Anytime anybody gets sick over there, you always see them with masks on. Why has it taken so long for that practice to get from there to the United States? Exactly. And I think it's, I think, cultural. I think for many, you know, for years, it's been very cultural to, to have a mask here in the United States. It didn't, it looked like you, you looked weird. And I think what's going to happen is that um, after the vaccine comes out, there, there will still be people who will walk around wearing masks and it's going to be common now we're not going to think twice about it right uh it's going to be very similar to how it is in in china and japan it's just a a protocol that people uh that people are doing uh it was a there was a great article in the wall street journal yesterday uh, called the swiss cheese method of prevention where the swiss cheeses have many holes uh little random holes that when you put stack the cheeses on top of each other it, there's like it's it, it's impenetrable. There's right. no hole. So by doing you know whether it's a, a vaccine is not going to be totally uh, the the cure. You know, I think so far we've seen ninety two percent ninety percent vaccine rates. But if you put the a vaccine on vaccine on top of mask wearing, on top of hand washing, on top of social distancing, I mean now you have a very impenetrable force of of not getting this disease and i think more and more people are going to recognize it's not just one solution it's many little small things that add up to a very powerful driver to keep you healthy so with everything that's going on um with with the pandemic especially in the last um eight to nine months has your business changed its philosophy on what it's doing or is it just working with what's going on out there and trying to promote uh the companies that you're working with in a different light I think what's happened with our e-commerce business, uh, where we do sell, uh, we, we, you know, we kind of, we, we started selling nutraceuticals, uh, immunity-based supplements um, about two years ago. Uh, uh, we, we, I, me and two partners founded this company, and we saw just the, the demand for, for immunity products has grown substantially. So my focus now is is really looking into just the world of uh, homeopathic medicine, nutraceuticals, and seeing what, you know, food as medicine, and, okay. and seeing what other ways we there can be an opportunity to, to really help people um, build their immunity through uh, food and supplementation. Because um, one of the things I was going to ask you, too, because you sell your, your, you're selling this stuff through e-commerce. Does that mean you're selling it through Amazon and other other platforms like Correct. that? Okay. Um, Correct. Amazon. Amazon is the biggest, biggest uh, marketplace for uh, supplements is, is Amazon. Now, 16 years ago, did you think Amazon was going to be able to do that for you? I had no idea. It was just, it's amazing how retail stores have, I mean, the, the, the growth, the retail uh, has, has, has really slowed down and, and e-commerce world, I mean, people buying online has grown tremendously. So I had, I had no idea that that would, I would be getting into that. But I also knew that uh, I had worked with other companies that were selling their products on Amazon and on, and, and on uh, Shopify and other e-commerce marketplaces, and I saw how successful they were doing, and that's when me and uh, uh, our two part, my two partners, decided we need to just, you know, own our company in this space and develop just really high-quality products that work. Uh, we knew how to the marketing, so we used all the data from the marketing to then just uh, own the products. Have you noticed a boost in sales during the pandemic? 
Absolutely. Anything, any, everybody's so focused on immunity right now, okay. on immune. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So with, the, the, with what you are selling, do you develop it yourself or do you go out looking for it that other companies produce it and then sell it through your store? We, uh, so our line is called HPDRX. Uh, you can find that on Amazon or you can go to our website, hpdrx.com. And all, we sell product. Is there uh, a variety of immune supplements that are, that are sourced worldwide? Okay. And it's all manufactured, made in the United States, but the raw materials we source said world we, we source the raw materials worldwide. So can you give me an example of some of the products that you are selling? Absolutely. So one of our uh, uh, products is called um, uh, Active Hexose Correlated Compound. It actually, it's uh, the uh, it's the root of the uh, mycelium of, of shiitake, the shiitake mushroom. Mm-hmm. And through the process, it has these hugely bene- uh, beneficial properties. Uh, there's been 30, over 30 human clinical studies done showing how uh, this AHCC or active hexose correlated compound is the long form name. The short name is AHCC. How it basically really helps uh, support your dendritic cells, how it really helps support your immunity or immune function. Uh, there's been studies showing how people who have HPV, uh, how the, it suppresses the HPV virus and other viruses, people who have cancer, it, it uh, helps prevent cancer growth. So, um, it's, I mean, the, the studies are just really phenomenal regarding this. So we decided to uh, uh, create our own proprietary formula of active hexose correlated compound, and that's uh, one of our uh, best-selling uh, products. Uh, we also have some other um, uh, mushroom complex, mushroom-based supplements, which are meant to help perform, in, improve your, um, your stamina, improve your energy, improve your memory, uh, so you can find those all on the site, from cordyceps to lion's mane to turkey tail, uh, a lot of different mushrooms. There's a lot of benefits to taking mushrooms, and we just took the highest quality mushrooms. We sourced it from uh, just the best sources uh, we could find, and uh, and I think it's something that our customers have really liked. I mean, the reviews we've gotten have been truly have been tremendous. So the uh, the some of the companies that you're working with that you you do marketing for and stuff like that are you competing against them with your own line of products? We decided no, not to take companies. Uh, what we what happened? We had a lot of companies that we were we were doing the branding, the packaging, the design for a lot of other vitamin companies okay. and other companies, and then we were realizing just the business of marketing vitamins and supplements and immune based all of these immune-based complexes, and then we realized how we could even do it better. And we that's when uh, we, uh, uh, our, our founder, uh, who's a renowned uh, doctor based out of Arizona, he, 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 you know, he came to us and said, you know, we, I can create the formula of these products. Can you, uh, you know, can you to market it? And me and my business partner said we can. So, so we, once we decided to do that, we decided not to really take on other um companies that would directly compete with us uh, at that point. Okay, because I, I was always curious about that, that how you could devote time and what your product, let alone someone else's at the same time. So that makes sense, being able to go off on your own to be able to do that. You're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here at WMCK.FM, McKeesport, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, Orca Radio, Owensburg, Kentucky, Parkway 106, Pittsburgh, PA, and PGH Talk Radio, and streaming online at pghtalkradio.com. Um, and on the line right now, I have uh, Raquel Beldemar. <laughs> I'm going to get it right before the night's over. I really will. <laughs> That's my goal this evening, is get your name right. But I'm looking I'm looking through your bio sheet that you were kind enough to send me, and I'm, I'm reading this, and it says you have 20,000 Instagram followers. How do you get... 20,000 Instagram followers. Thank you. I think you just get it by being active on social media. It helps that uh, my last book, Harper, uh, Sugar Crush, was published by HarperCollins. Okay. So I did on a pretty extensive book tour when I published my last book. Uh, 
And it's also just, you know, writing. I enjoy writing. I, you know, as a uh, writer for Forbes and CNN and Scriber magazine, uh, I, 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 people who read those publications have followed me. So it's been nice to uh, get that following. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I think I have 100 people on Instagram, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I'm one of these old guys that's still trying to figure out how social media works. I figured out Twitter, and I figured out Facebook. Instagram, I'm still having a, an issue to, gra- uh, to grasp it. But I also see that you're. it says you're a social media influencer to the demographic group of professional businesswomen in their 30s and 40s, uh, with high engagement rates of female professionals and business leaders you connect with highly specific audience of affluent women to show to on how to work hard play hard and create hardest what does that mean so there's a lot of uh women entrepreneurs women professionals women people who are in the workforce women who are in the workforce that we also have a playful side we have a feminine side and we we like to have fun uh, we're mothers, we're wives, we're, we ha- we're sisters. And I think it's, how do you balance all of that? I mean, I think it's a real struggle uh, for, you know, for everyone, for both men and women. But what, as a woman, I try to talk to my peers of other professional uh, women who are just trying to find a balance of all of that. And it's, it's hard. Um, so I think I try to speak to how to travel, you know, how, how to work really, really hard, but then how to travel and then enjoy that or how to, um, how to enjoy to really take that time off. And when you're not working, I don't particularly post on social media about my work, but when I'm trying to actually show how I turn off, I like to do that because I think it's important for women to share that, how they turn off. Because I, and I think that's important too, because there's a lot of people out there that just needs a little bit of validation that what they're doing in their mind is correct. And if someone else is doing it the same way they are, they're going to say, okay, this works. But I noticed there was an article that you uh, did for Inscribe magazine, how to use your exotic capital. And they did questions and answers with you. What is erotic capital? Um, it's, um, the erotic capital is, um, basically your look, okay. uh, something that I have recognized as, you know, many, many men or women will many times, uh, get noticed by their money and money opens doors that what also opens doors, especially if you're, um, a young, relatively attractive woman is your looks. And as someone who, um, has been, you know, Given, I would say, you know, fairly attractive, there's, you know, obviously women who are supermodels, but I know that that has opened doors, but it's also created uh, uncomfortable situations where I've been, I've had to deal with sexual harassment or mm-hmm. uh, clients wanting to, you know, push the boundaries of what a professional relationship is. So what I talked about in that, in that article was like how to uh, use your look to get ahead if, if you want to, and, and do it in a responsible way. And, and there's something beautiful about the erotic. I mean, that's why it's called, you know, there's something beautiful about uh, femininity and uh, being a woman and being a sensual woman and not having to lead with that maybe in a professional setting, but also letting it be there. I mean, when we think of mothers in many ways, mothers are very, you know, sensual and beautiful and, and erotic. And but it's, it's not, it's a beautiful thing. It's not uh, a, a, a bad thing. I think and there's people who have somehow made erotic be a negative term, and I'm trying to show that it can also be a okay. positive term and used correctly. It can be very beneficial. Which is a very interesting way of looking at it, because I don't think that, because um, we've, we've always told people that you use your intelligence and you use your education is what to get ahead. But you're saying, yeah, use those. But also, if you need to, you can use your looks, too, which is an interesting way of looking if, at it. You, if you use it responsibly. Uh-huh. And I also think, too, is, is being playful. I mean, you can be playful in business settings. And as a professional woman, I 
you know, it is obviously important to maintain decorum and, and etiquette in professional settings, but also recognize having a sense of play and fun is very erotic for both men and women. And, and, and not as we get older, we lose many times that ability to have that sense of play and joyfulness and, and this, this like curiosity and, and, and um, wholesomeness and, and just fun. And I think that uh, part of what I am helping also other women just recognize is their own sense of play and their own sense of femininity, okay. uh, which is very important. How to use that in a responsible setting uh, in the business world. So when you, when you started out in this, when did the whole journalism aspect come into play? I think the journalism aspect came after I published my book. After okay. the book uh, got published, I got a lot of invitations to speak at different conferences, write for different publications. I got invited to uh, write for Forbes. Um, and that's where it kind of uh, it, it, it began. And I also realized that my favorite form of journalism is travel journalism, mm -hmm. travel writing. To me, that's uh, so it was just a, for me, it was my sense of play and in a way uh, that I enjoyed. And also as a writer, the best way to continue to, to, to improve your writing is to constantly write. Uh, so I'm now working on my next book. I'm working on, uh, I'm working on just the draft of my next book that you can't just like after five years work on, you know, start your next book without just practicing writing mm -hmm. and writing that practice for me was, has been in journalism and travel writing. So what, what drew you to the whole idea of the travel writing? Just the, exoticism of going and traveling to different countries, uh, seeing places I haven't seen, meeting people I haven't seen. I grew up in Bolivia for 10 years, the first 10 years of my life. Um, I, I, I lived in Bolivia. So I, you know, having this sense of what just the South American, just this, this beautiful country, even though it's a third world country, it just opened my eyes to just there's, recognizing there's so much to the world uh, other than the U.S and so much to see so many so much to learn from other cultures um and i think as you know as a, an american citizen i'm very grateful for my citizenship i'm very uh, my mother's american so i am a naturalized citizen even though i wasn't born in this country but i always wanted to seek what i could learn from other cultures okay. and i think that's what really drew me to travel and travel writing and then to write about that write about what I've learned of other cultures. Now, the one thing I want to ask is that, and I, I'm not familiar with Bolivia, but in in the society in Bolivia, do you think you'd be able to achieve what you have in the United States in Bolivia if you no, would have stayed there? No, no, and that's a big reason. You know, that's what a lot of my next book is about: is is the, the how grateful I am to be an American citizen and have the opportunities I do as as a a uh, young immigrant, you know, woman who came here to the United States at 10, um, I was given so many opportunities that I would never have in Bolivia. And I think that never gets lost on me. And I think that is the reason why I've worked very, very hard my entire life, because um, I knew that just being, just having the gift of being a citizen, I mean, people who are born in this country, they don't always take they don't t take advantage of the opportunities, the democracy, the freedom of press, freedom of religion we have here. And in many other countries, they don't have that uh, that that sort of freedom. Uh, as much as I love Bolivia, and you know, I'm half Bolivian, it still is a, it's, it's a very corrupt. It still is very corrupt. So, uh, so, so that's what I try to, you know, that's one of the things I write. I'm going to be talk writing about in my next book is just the, the transfer, the difference in that. But uh, I think many Americans... I think if you're an American citizen to just be so grateful and recognize the value of what that citizenship means. So with your the, the you being a social media influencer, have you thought about taking that 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 uh, that job that you have as an influencer to take and focus a light on what's going on in Bolivia? Or is that something that you, you wouldn't want to do because you don't want to stand out in that situation? No, I think that's definitely going to be the next step. And I think part of it, too, is, you know, this is we talk about the balance of having, you know, how do how do I do all of the things that I'm doing and do it well? I've, I've never wanted to be a dilettante. I never wanted to just dabble in things. And okay. if I'm going to focus on that, I really want to I really want to focus my energy. But I also have a lot of other 
projects that I'm involved with right now. So I just, I have to find that balance, Bill, of how to do that, to do all of that too. I'm trying to figure out just knowing what you do, how you, how you have time to sleep, because that's one thing. <laughs> I mean, you, you seem to be well, constantly going. There is no stopping you because I can't imagine you sitting down for a long period of time and not doing something. So that's where I think your well, writing comes into play. And I think that's actually what uh, is a misconception a lot of people have. I mean, you, you say, you know, I don't sleep. I actually need a lot of sleep. I need eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And in fact, Jeff Bezos wrote uh, a great article on Thrive talking about how he needs eight hours of sleep every single night. And for him, getting eight hours of sleep is actually a benefit to his shareholders because when he gets eight hours, he's well-rested, he is able to perform better for his shareholders and make his shareholders more money. Okay. So I think that's something that, and it's, I do the same. I want to, I don't have shareholders like Jeff Bezos does, but I take my sleep very, very seriously. I take my downtime very, very seriously. I, I prioritize the projects uh, uh, I'm, I work on. I'm, I'm, I know what, when, where, what to say no to so that on the things that I, I'm saying yes to, I can be very focused on that. Um, what I what I hear from you is that you also listen to other other people in a role similar to yours, like Bezos. Do you take? Do you read? I mean, it sounds to me like you read a lot. So, do you take other people's advice and try and, and advice that you like or subscribe to? Do you try to implement that into your life? I think yes, absolutely, and I, I mean that's part of I think part of what growth is is taking um, information from people who have their own unique perspective of the world and see how that fits with your with your filter and your perspective of the world and see if that if adding elements of their perspective uh, will help you. And I think, you know, people who listen to like your show, whether it's me or other people, um, they, you know, getting little pieces of information, even if it's something just uh, something small, I say, or something small that some of your other subscribers say, I mean, that it, gets, it can change their world. Some of my, some of the best advice I have been given has been on talk shows like these, has been on radio shows or podcasts like these. And it's been really amazing. This is the world of like the social media world that we mm. live in, the world of online is that some of your best friends, some of my best friends, Bill, are people I've never met because I hear them on a podcast or a radio show. And I, and they have such, such incredible thinkers on their shows that I just get great ideas from. And I think that's just part of the beauty of the world we live in today is that you actually don't need to have direct access to some of these great minds. You can just read them or listen to a great podcast or radio show like this and get great information. From now, them. do the people that you listen to or that, do you reach out to them or do you just do it as, um, as passive entertainment where you're just taking the information or do you reach out to them to actually ask questions or develop a, a type of relationship with them? I haven't reached out to them. Uh, I mean, some of these people are very high profile. I don't know if they would, I mean, they, I'm sure that they, uh, who knows? Maybe um, if I if I reached out to them, they would they would uh, you know respond. But most of the time, the people that uh, who have impacted me uh, through their advice and, and it's I have I just took their advice and I incorporated it into my own life, and uh, it's been wonderful. I mean, for example, one of the um, I read one of the uh, thinkers that has changed is Ray Dalio. He, uh, he's the founder of probably the largest hedge fund in the world. He wrote a book called Principles. And in a podcast, he talked about having, you know, what are your life principles? What are your top like five principles that you live by? And based on that, I then developed what are my principles that I live by. And I think, um, so I just think that having that little, that, that conversation that I heard in a podcast change you know it, it just changed how I look at everything and changed at how I you know it, I was able to add that great piece of advice great piece of wisdom into into my own life one thing I have learned though for doing this for all these years that people that I listen to if I feel a connection with them I do try to reach out to them and most of the time they'll respond back and they will answer That's a really good idea and they will answer That's questions really... for you because they 
and I, and and it's one of these things and I'm not saying that it's it's stroking their ego but they like to know that people are actually getting something out of their message and it's that way of yeah. two-way communication because in the old days when we used to do this we didn't have immediate response it was always it was on the radio it went out in the the uh the nether sphere sphere or whatever it was and now because we're doing it as radio as a podcast and it's online some you're always there's an audience member always able to connect with you in some way, shape, or form, be through email, through social media, whatever it may be. So that's what I said. I've reached out and I've had people come back. Now they may not have been able to do the show with me or not able to be guests, but I have talked to them in in some some type of situation where they've given me advice or they've uh, listened to that, gave suggestions, whatever it may be. So it may be something for you to look into because I think a lot of people that 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 you may be listening to would benefit from hearing from you because you're also dealing with the same situations just in a different perspective or diff or a different part of the world or or whatever it may be. I think that's a really good point. Uh, and something I have done is I, when I hear something that really is meaningful to me, um, I then I post it on my own social media page. Mm -hmm. You know, to my to my followers on Instagram, and I actually will tag that thinker that person I'll, I'll and i'll you know say something that about what i heard from them and then uh, i'll share that with my audience and it gets you know so i create a connection that way through social media and that actually has created some some connections with those people to uh you know that led to further discussions but um i think that's really true i mean it's like it's it's I think I'm a big believer in just execution and implementing uh, great advice and great learnings. I feel like, you know, advice is meaningless unless you actually apply it. Right. So when I show how I'm applying it in my own little world here in Los Angeles as a just a female entrepreneur who's just trying to um, maintain my own balance and, you know, in this in this world that's, you know, become very polarized and it's become very, uh, it's you know with the pandemic, it's it's become you know difficult in many ways. How am I trying to incorporate this wisdom and advice from these great thinkers? And when I share that uh, to my followers, it really shows just how I'm actually trying to apply uh, that wisdom into into just everyday life. And I think that's really meaningful. And I think that really, um, you know, I know I know that people really do connect with that. They they they. they they want to see someone who's like not a you know a celebrity, not someone who's just you know a uh, multi you know just billionaire running a CEO of a public company. How we're you know just regular people. How we're trying to uh, we're trying to apply these uh, best practices and advice into our our daily life. So when you started writing and doing the whole journalist thing, you said it started after you wrote your book. Did these people start coming to you, or did you submit stuff to them? Um, I I would say that um, I submitted. I mean, it was a lot of me trying to go out and trying to build a following. Uh, and I think you do that by, you know, writing something that people can connect with. My demographic of people that I guess have, have, have uh, are interested in what I have to say are other professional women in their, you know, late, you know, 30s mm -hmm. to 50-year age range. Um, and then just talking about just, you know, everything from, uh, you know, how to, you know, manage a business, how to stay fit, how to, how to stay, uh, you know, how to, you know, ma maintain your, your health and your beauty and your wellness, uh, while, you know, you know, having a family and running companies and how to maintain, you know, your workouts and, uh, traveling. I mean, so, so, um, I think it's actually writing about things that, uh, is also something that people my age and, and just who are interested in what I'm so interested in, uh, and then reaching out to them and, and then just letting them know that you're also like, you're going through the same struggles that they are and being open about that and being vulnerable and honest about, about that. And, and, uh, I, I always say that not every day is about being offensive. You know, it's, it's knowing how to be defensive is oh, really right. just as important. I mean, knowing like we look at football games. Defense wins football games, and in our world of life, I mean, knowing how to play defense wins. Defense well <laughs> also wins in the game of right. life. 
Um, one thing, and, and to tell my audience this, last week when I had John Daly on the program, Raquel called me in the middle of that, in the beginning of the interview, and I I made a mistake exactly what it is because I double booked and didn't realize it. And John, who I was talking to is also, he is an international, he was an international journalist and he was an anchor in, in Las Vegas. He is also a um, travel and leisure journalist. And he's been doing it for quite a few years. And when you said that, I'm going, I need to get these two people connected with each other. Because uh, he lives in North Carolina, and he's been doing it forever. Um, but we, he also does politics, and he's a, a regular guest on my program to talk about politics. So I'm going to send you his his email address and his credentials, and you can talk to him because he's been doing this forever. And his new thing is, which is kind of unique, because journalism has changed so much just in the last five years that you don't always have a camera crew with you. He shoots everything that he sh- does right now. He literally shoots it on an iPhone. And then they submit it yeah. to these places and Absolutely. they get picked up. And it is so cool to watch it. And um, I will send you his information because I think you two uh, connecting with each that. other would be, would be very enjoyable. And I know John listens to the program here on the regular basis. So he'll probably be reaching out to me also for your information. But I think it's interesting no, because okay. hearing from you and doing this, and as you said, you're 41 years old. When you went to college, what did you go to school for? I went to school uh, for finance. I studied uh, uh, business. I, I always knew that I wanted to be, you know, be in the world of business, and I didn't exactly know what that was yet. Okay. I, I had come from a family of entrepreneurs and uh, people who are in the business world, and I knew I wanted to do that. And then uh, after after I graduated from UT Austin, uh, uh, some of the best, you know, education. I always say I got my street smart uh, waiting tables that I got my book smarts in the classroom. Right. Uh, I, I, it was, uh, it was a great education. I, I then I went to, uh, I worked in investment banking in New York uh, for two years for JP Morgan. Um, and then being in that world of just, you know, corporate banking, I realized pretty quickly that I, I, I need, I wasn't using my own creative energies. Um, I was doing fine, you know, doing spreadsheets and, you know, living the whole banker world, getting, you know, working to get my MBA. But I, I knew that something was missing. And it was, to me, I knew that it, you know, I needed to kind of be in a more creative, in a more creative space. And that's what led me to advertising, you know, to, to, to starting an ad agency because it's, you know, advertising is very creative, right. but it also is very business. I mean, it's, it's, it's about how to, package how to tell your story how to brand yourself how to how to motivate people and convince people to buy your product so there is very much a very strong business element that the piece that i loved about it was the emotional connection the psychology uh the understanding of how how to motivate people the you know how to use emotion to make people feel something for a brand and that that's what i that's why i uh founded that because that's what i really Merging the you know the psychology with the business was really important to me, and that's what in many ways advertising is all about. So the average person they hear the word entrepreneur on a regular basis, and I think that there is a misunderstanding of what entrepreneur is because I think people are afraid of that word. How do you make people more comfortable with that so they can go out and try to do it themselves? Because it has this meaning that you, you have to have some type of previous background to be an entrepreneur. But in theory, to be an entrepreneur, you just have to have enough guts to go out and try it and right. have an idea yeah, that works. Know, I, I, yeah, to be an entrepreneur, you have to be able to swim um, in, in dark psychological waters and be a strong swimmer. Okay. I've always said that because you have to be able to go into some dark places because it's there, you don't you don't have the stability. It's, it's very volatile. It's uh, and you have to be a strong swimmer, and that's why you have to be so grounded and centered. And that's why equanimity is so important. And that's something that uh, I learned from Ray Dalio, who you know who talked about how he really um, he is a very you know, he meditates every day. His his meditation practice is like is is at a whole like whole different level than what I, you know, what what I had uh, even just 
understood what meditation was and that and it was to build that level of equanimity because to be an entrepreneur you have to have a very uh you have to be calm you have to almost be like a ninja because there's things that are going to be coming at you and you have to be able to address those challenges well and when you are calm when you are like a ninja you can actually address those challenges in like it's it comes it's almost like it comes at you slower okay and so so to be an entrepreneur you just have to know how to deal with a lot of challenges that can come from all these different ways and uh and swim well it also sounds like you have to be confident in who you are so you know what you can Absolutely, deal with what you yeah. can deal with um and i yeah. and i think that's important i think in a lot of people today they're not confident with who they are um, most people are putting an act on just so they can make it through their daily lives. Look at their social media. Um, most people, when they put right. stuff on social media, they only put their best life on there. And they're not putting the trials and tribulations that are happening online. And they don't think anybody else has them like they do. So, again, being an entrepreneur, you have to have a strong sense of who you are to be able to move forward. You do, and you have to remember, too, when you're reading about other entrepreneurs and, and reading about them on magazines or on social media, they're only posting the wins. Right. You know, very few people are actually posting the, 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 just the, the, work, the workhorse part of it, just the drudgery, just the long nights. Uh, and that's like why many times, like, I actually won't post anything on social media for a week or two weeks because I'm actually just working. Like I'm actually trying to get things done and execute and build my businesses. I don't have time to necessarily <laughs> just always be, you know, talking about how, all how to do it. So I, I think that it's recognizing that uh, seeing the full picture of something is like when somebody just shows you just their, you know, just certain images or it's only part of the story. And, and this is where you got to have not just, you got to have depth. You got to look, recognize that it's 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 very also very unglamorous uh, to be you know to own your own business because you you know you you are doing a lot of things that you know you maybe you know you're you're very overqualified to do, but it's sometimes like what you have to do. Well, Raquel, hard to believe we've been talking for almost an hour now. Um, <laughs> time flies when you're when you're deep into conversation. I really appreciate you joining me this evening. I have learned a lot. And um, I'd love to have you back on the program when your next book comes out, because I'd love to be able to uh, talk to you about that. And again, if there's anything you want to say before I let you go, please do. Well, if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, you can do so. It's rbaldelomar, R-B-A-L-D-E-L-O-M-A-R. That's uh, R-B as in boy, A-L. D-E-L-O-M-A-R and you can follow me and uh, if you have any questions send me a direct message and uh, I guess a bit, what do you want to hear about what would you like me to talk more about and um, uh, send me a direct message on Instagram and I will make sure that you know my future journalism projects uh, will will look into seeing you know to, to write more on the things that my my followers want me to write about. Well, Raquel, so thank you so much for having me here, Bill. Thank you very much, and I hope to get. I hope to talk to you again in the near future. You have a great night. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. Raquel Bello Beldemar. There we go. Uh, <laughs> You know how I am with names, people. Um, but anyhow, really nice conversation. She's the founder and president of Quintis, a journalist, author, and social media influencer. So Raquel uh, Beldemar uh, was on the program this evening. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. And also give a shout-out to the stations that we're on, uh, WMCK.FM, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, 1620 AM, Huntington Community Radio, Steel FM, Mixtape Radio International, uh, Radio Rehoboth, Orca Radio, Parkway 106, and yes, there's a new domain. It's PGH Talk Radio. Yeah, I figured why not. Anyhow, if there's a radio station you want to get us on in your area, let them know. All they have to do is contact me at the website, pghtalkradio.com. Everybody, I am out of here. You have a great night, and we'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.